6, 2013. You're listening to Free Admission, freeadmissionfr.com, and also available on iTunes. I am Ben Turpin, and I am going to recount my live experience from Shakara's debut in the Peach State, my home state, just a city over from where I'm currently residing in Porterdale, Georgia. But before I do that, I want to briefly talk about this past weekend's Ring of Honor Eye pay-per-view, Border Wars 2013. I echo a lot of the sentiments that people have thrown out there about the show. I thought it was a good show. Uh, I thought there was a lot of very, very irritating booking. I think it goes without saying that when you establish a standard like Delirious has since he came in with the iPay-Per-Views and then you have a show kind of fall under that standard, there's going to be a certain level of disappointment, but I don't think that takes away from the fact that it was still a good show. The main event was weird for me. I actually just watched it. TJ Hawk said that he felt like it was a 20-minute match where they were waiting for the shenanigans for the ref bump to happen. I can kind of relate with that. They had a good 15-minute match, and if they had just done like five minutes of what you expect in that spot, I think I would have been, I think I would have been satisfied. But instead, they do the ref bump, and it just halted any momentum that the match had. I know Jay's shoulder is pretty banked up. I don't know if they're just going to fill all his title matches with a bit of smoke and mirrors at the end to kind of cover up for the fact that maybe he can't fully go. I just, I really don't see that being a scenario because when I see this, when I, the work of this match, I didn't really get the impression that he was struggling with his shoulder or that he, he, he was having problems. Um, I thought the opener delivered. I thought Ishimori and Edwards delivered in London and Richards certainly delivered. Um, I didn't think Edwards and Ishimori was as good as a lot of other people did. I was really impressed with the opener. I've heard some comments that people thought this match was sloppy and just didn't really work. I didn't really see that at all. I mean, there was, of course, some hiccups in the match, but when you're working at this pace and you're just... And, and Dave Meltzer, and normally I wouldn't reference Dave Meltzer or point this out, but he said he... Th- he said it, it felt like to him like just like an, an indie match with like four guys who were kind of green. And I just thought it was more than anything. I thought they were trying a lot of incredibly complicated things. And that's what it came off to me like. And granted, maybe some of it wasn't the most fluid, but to just like write it off as them being very green and just like being inexperienced or something like that, I just, I, I don't. I just don't can't really correlate with that and I just thought that they I thought there was a lot of creative things about the match a lot of small things that were very impressive that's really what I liked about the match was I just thought there was a lot of cool small things just their transitions and how they set up certain things and I actually like this opener more than I think any opener that Delirious has had so far granted I thought the previous Toronto iPay-Per-View opener of the Bravados and Cedric Caprice was a better match but I thought this match at Border Wars was able to kind of compact and maintain the cons- uh, consistency with the crowd and the heat for the match um, as opposed to the previous one, which I think went a, went, went a little too long. Um, Davian London, I actually thought, was on its way to being a really good match, and I thought it was on its way to over-delivering. I actually thought it started off very promising. You even had Davy kind of teasing working heel, and the crowd kind of made him do that, and I'm glad that he kind of played off that. Um, I think London, he's always okay. He's, he's usually good enough in these spots. And like when I see him in PWG or I see him work in other places, it just, I always get the impression that he just doesn't work enough. So when I watch him like in this spot, like he just wasn't fully, he wasn't as fluid as I would like. And he just didn't connect with things. He just comes off rusty because he doesn't work that often. And that's going to happen. If he just worked more, I think... 
you know, I think it just I, I would I would have liked uh you know, majority of the match maybe a little bit more. That's just the impression that I get with London. He's just very, he just always feels like he, he has ring rust that he has to work off. And it's always going to be like that because he's just not working consistently enough. I thought this match was on its way again to over-delivering, and then the finish happened. Uh, the double stomp happened, and then the finish happened. I actually read those at two different points because I was trying to avoid spoilers. I had no idea that it was a direct correlation for the double stomp to the face to the finish. And I just thought they did that finish, so I was kind of down on rewatching the match, but they get a full pass on that. I skipped the I Quit and Scum stuff, which maybe isn't fair. I was warned about the I Quit match beforehand. I got a couple texts while I was at Shakara, and uh, I'm just... The Scum stuff, I don't think it's been actively bad. I just think that it's, it's just uninteresting. It's a lot like... Oh, God, I really don't want to compare it to Aces and Aids because like, I just don't care about either of them. Uh, and it's in the same way. I just don't think there's anything that's really enthralling or captivating about it. I guess at least now we have the dynamic of Adam Cole possibly teasing a heel turn, joining Scum, which adds a different dynamic. But I just don't give a single fuck at all about anything they do. Um, hopefully Jimmy Rave gets some singles matches. Hopefully Jimmy Jacobs has more singles matches. That's really all that I can look forward to at this point in time with Scum and the Adam Cole dynamic now. So again, good, solid show. I think it kind of fell under that standard that Delirious is kind of... And, and one thing I want to note about Delirious um, and something about this show is some of the booking, which I did think in some ways was nonsensical, and I actually went over Mike Bennett and Roderick Strong, which should go to show you how I feel about that match. Um... I've read a couple comments, and I've had a couple conversations with people where people feel like that if TNA or WWE was booking like this, that they would be that that they would be getting ripped apart. I think the point to be made is if TNA and WWE was having shows with the in-ring consistency of this, they would be getting a pass just as much as kind of ROH is. Um, another thing I want to throw out there about Delirious is that. And I, it's because I've had a couple conversations, like, just in the last couple days off this, you know, Border Wars I pay-per-view that, uh, you know, I've gotten a couple comments. You know, I was very vocal when Delirious came in that the product was going to change, and I think it has. But the point that I made, there were two points that I made, is that I said that the in-ring consistency and quality would improve drastically, and I think that's happened. And the point that I think people are forgetting that I threw out there, especially after this show, is that I did say Delirious would do a lot of weird things because I thought Delirious did a lot of weird things when he came in in August of 2010 into that Sinclair transition. Just And it was small things. I think maybe it's a little... I think it's a little broader now because I don't know what the exact intentions or goals are because they do have TV, so that kind of changes the, the dynamic of the product where maybe things are blown up a little bit more. But he did a lot of weird... If you go back and you watch a lot of those 2010 and 2011 shows that he booked, it wasn't... Again, I don't think a lot of it's insulting, but there are a lot of small, irritating things and annoying things that he did. Um, but moving on to my live experience, and I got that out of the way because I know some people listening to this want to avoid Shakar spoilers. I think I kind of feel... Uh, the Ghost of You Clings, Porterdale, Georgia, they actually advertised this as being in the greater Atlanta area, which actually the show they ran in October of last year in Piedmont, Alabama, was technically closer to Atlanta than this show. But technically speaking, the greater Atlanta area is a way of, I guess, 
labeling this uh, area. Porterdale, Georgia, the ghost of Euclings, as I said. Uh, very small, intimate building. Um, I think that I've, I'm kind of having a tough time grasping how I feel about this show. I think I kind of feel about this show how I feel about Touchdown and Kingston, which that was really going to be the match on because I really wasn't looking forward to anything else but this match. But this was a big, like, this was honestly one of the most appealing matches that Shakara could book right now. So I was really looking forward to it. And this match kind of, I think, was going to be the difference in me, like, being overwhelming, you know, in terms of, like, how I felt about the show, or it just kind of being in every other Shikara show, because I just think there's so many Shikara shows that you just, like, lump into, like, the same E category, um, and the match with Touchdown and Kingston was very different than I expected, uh, Kingston came in selling the knee after, I think, him and Green Ant had a very extended match the night before. I thought it was very smartly worked. I thought Touchdown was fantastic, as he always is. In my opinion, like, I think if he keeps this up, he's easily on his way to being, like, one of the best wrestlers of the year. He was basically, I mean, it was a pretty simple story. I mean, they went sub-15 minutes, which kind of surprised me as well, but it was essentially Touchdown working over the knee, Kingston has a couple comebacks, and then they go home. Touchdown made the work on the knee. It never became boring, and it was just constantly enthralling and interesting in his different like transitions and working on the knee. Again, Kingston had a couple comebacks. Kingston was really good selling the knee. One thing that I always appreciate from guys, and again, in the heat of a match, maybe it's a moot point, but he did two offensive moves on his other knee. And I just feel like so many times when a guy's selling a certain limb, they'll still do moves on said limb. And granted, again, it's a moot point when maybe in the heat of the battle, you don't really maybe recognize that. But wouldn't that like, so, okay, let's say that your your priority elbow is what you generally use. And then, so wouldn't that offset if it's injured by using the other one and then you're not putting more damage on said injured or, you know, the limb that's getting worked over? I don't know. That was just something like that's what I think separates a lot of good sellers, great sell. I don't know. I guess you know there's a lot of different ways you could categorize sellers, but that's just something that I always personally appreciate. And I thought Kingston was really good in this match. Didn't touchdown did a lot of his patented spots. He actually did a, a backdrop where Kingston did like a full rotation. It was a pretty devastating spot. I'm pretty sure it was on purpose, um, and that was a good near fall, and. He did, you know, um, he did a, like a big splash. There was one other near fall. And then Kingston had a couple of small near falls um, in the latter portion. And then he hit a back fist to the future and a super Uranagi from the top, which sells the complete desperation. He was not going to wear down touchdown. He needed to hit this move. And he hit it. So, like, I thought it was a really strong match in that aspect. But, again, I just think I expected more. I think they're capable of more if they got more time. Um... Granted, for what they were going for, I thought it was essentially perfect. And I just think that with Touchdown, he didn't really take much. But when you take a back fist and a Super Uranagi, that's pretty believable. But he just did, there, there wasn't many believable spots where I thought Kingston was going to win. But that was kind of how the match was laid out, and that was the story of the match. So I'm fine with it, and I really like the match. And I think there's... I think there's just going to be people that are underwhelmed because they're going to complain that, oh, the match didn't get enough time. It should, it could have bared a few more minutes. You know, that those are going to be the cliche comments about this match, even though they accomplished exactly what they were trying to. Um, 
and I think you're going to have some people that really appreciate it and give it a little bit higher mark, but I didn't think it was anything overwhelming, and just, you know, the show, um, to look at everything else, which I'll briefly go through, uh, they opened with a local match, which I'm not sure if this is going to be on the DVD, they did Gavin after, I think they did that in Orlando too with a local match, but I could be wrong, this was better than most of the local matches, which it's going to be, it's going to be pretty humorous when this gets, when this doesn't make the cut, and a lot of other bad local matches did when this one was perfectly serviceable. Uh, the Washington Bullets of John Williams and Trey Williams, which are a very fun team um, out of the South. It's really unfortunate that when some of these, you know, I think like when Ring of Honor comes to the Carolinas and Gabe and Sal and Evolve and Dragon Gate USA maybe come to the South, Southeast of Florida most notably with Evolve next month, that, you know, this is the type of team that you should be bringing in, in my opinion. Uh, Shane Marks is a local vet, and the Jagged Edge, I think he's kind of, uh, I think he's kind of new to the business. He's a b- bit of a big stiff, um, and this, again, was perfectly service- serviceable. The Washington Bullets went over. Shinrun, who was making his Shikara debut, he is a local guy. It was pointed out to me that he was charade, and then somebody pointed out to me that this was actually the Beyond guy that broke his neck, so if you recall that clip that was floating around on YouTube of the guy that took, like, the brutal, brutal neck, like, where he just, like, looked like he died, uh, this is that guy. He is a local guy, but I think Shikara is going to use him moving forward. I thought it was very impressive. He's a, I think he's a gymnastics teacher locally, or gymnast teacher, and he's a gymnast himself, obviously very experienced. Um, and you could see that, and he did a lot of kind of like awe-inspiring, impressive things in in that line of thinking. Uh, he was a little rough around the edges, so some things weren't as crisp as, as, as they would have liked. But if this match had fully connected, it would have been it would have been a show stealer in the opener. But I still thought it was a lot of fun, and I actually think in hindsight, I think it was one of the more enjoyable things on the show. Jigsaw and the Shard against the Salient and Fire Ant. This was a good match. I wasn't, um... I think this was the match that I was... Yeah, solidly the match that I was uh, looking forward to second most next to Touchdown and Kingston, of course. And, uh... I don't know, it was good. It was kind of forgettable. I thought a lot of the, sh- a lot of the stuff on this show was forgettable, but uh, it was enjoyable. Uh, Grand Akuma, Sugar Dunkerton was... They did a little bit of comedy, then they worked a little bit, and then Icarus pushed off Gran Akuma from the top, and then, uh, granted, he was just trying to help Sugar Duckerton, they're still going with kind of like, you know, Icarus, um, I think everybody knows where they're going there, uh, I don't need to fully explain, but, um, after the match, Duckerton is upset, claims he's a free agent, says he's done with it, he quits, so that continues the line of, um, Soldier Ant and Quack being fired, I guess, presumably, the night before Johnny Gargano quit in Gibsonville, which was Friday. Um, by the way, this, uh, because, and I don't want to get into it at all, but there were two very, um, if anything else, I just give the guy a lot of credit for allowing his mind to go to the boundaries that they did with his thought processes and I think a lot of people, and people know where I'm going with this, with the Shakara, like the alternate universe, altered timeline uh, theory that's 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 kind of gaming, gaining some ground. And I think it's, I think it's good timing for Shakara that it's starting to gain some ground because it's like re- leading right into this iPay per view. And go to my Twitter and check out the two podcasts. Um, but yeah, I think 
I mean, I think a lot of the thing. It, it's just so scary that how everything can kind of like tie tie back into this guy's theory and everything plays off of it. And whether that's ultimately what happens or not, again, I just give the guy a tremendous amount of respect for just putting the thought together. But the point I wanted to make is that I think a lot of people see a lot of the small things that he's talking about, but I don't think they were able to put it together in the bigger picture. Um, Amasis and Kobold was Amasis and Kobold. There was one really ugly spot in this match where... And it's like Amasis just came back from a neck injury, and like I think this might have... like. It, it looked, I mean, he was fine after the match and fine just after the spot, but looked like could have completely abolished him again. Arctic Rescue Ant, Deviant, Missile Assault Ant, and Orbit Adventure Ant against Frightmare, Green Ant, Hollow Wicked, and Ultraman is Black. Originally to be um, the Colony Extreme Force and Spectral Envoy, they added Green Ant, and then Deviant actually came back in Gibsonville. I'm, I'm not sure, I don't think Deviant's the same guy that it was before. Granted, I have them all mixed up anyway, so I don't know who's who. Um, with the original Kikido. Deviant, I'm pretty sure, is somebody. He worked like it. Um, I felt like I was familiar with him, but I would need to see more. Uh, Orbit Adventure Ant came out with this incredible, one of the highlights highlight of the shows, this uh, kind of like astronaut-esque helmet that was like just glowing. I think uh, somebody compared it to a Spider-Man character, and I wish I knew, but I just I don't know anything about that. I'm not in tune at all with that. Um, this match was actually a lot of fun, and the crowd was just getting molten for it, and they were chanting, there was like a huge, this is awesome, and I really haven't talked about the building, which was has to be one of the most intimate buildings that Shakara has ever run. I mean, it couldn't have fit more than any more than 150 to 200 people, if that. And, like, and maybe this would be best saved for after or before, but I just felt like, I wish they would have gotten something great, and I feel like sometimes there are just these crowds that are like so good, and it's just like, it's so inconsistent on the indies these days. You just don't know what you're going to get with crowds. So, like, when you do get a good one, it just... I always wish that they got, like, a great match so you could get, like, this super memorable match. And I felt like this was kind of one of those crowds where they, like, kind of... Like, they were there, and just because of the setting and it being so small, like, it, it generated this good vibe and this good atmosphere, and it was just like, damn, I wish they would have gotten, like, this overwhelmingly awesome match. Um... And they were, like, really getting into this one. And then they immediately went to the finish where Ultramantis Black accidentally pulls off one of the ants' mask. Which, look, it makes perfect sense. The logic's there. I'm fine with that. But ultimately, it still bothers me. I think it's still ultimately a lame finish, whether it makes sense or not. For me, what I went out of wrestling personally. But I'm not going to blame them for doing it. But it was, like, right as the crowd was just, like, they were really hitting into, like... And I think that's where they peaked over the course of the show. And if they had just done, like, two or three minutes and then did a clean finish, I think this would have been a, quite a memorable match. Saturine and Tim Daunce, they were still doing the Daunce, uh, Gavin Loudspeaker stuff, which played into the finish here. Daunce pretty much dominated Saturine for a por good portion of the match. He goes after Gavin Loudspeaker. Saturine rolls him up, gets the win. They've had actually two other matches, I believe, to this point. They had one at the charity show that was outside by the ballpark, and then I think they had one at, like, the Ring of Wax? If I got that right, I'm pretty impressed with myself. I'm not going to lie. Kingston and touchdown. Match of the night for me. Again, I already really talked about this match. Um, I just It was different than what I expected. But it's still, like, it was just really smartly worked. I'm, just, I'm kind of interested to see what other people will think about this match. Um, and I was also surprised that it went on in this spot. I'm not based on how they ended up working the main event. But 
I really thought that they put this in the spot because I thought we were going to get some sort of like shady, questionable finish, but we ended up getting a clean finish, and they just put the Campeonato de Pareja in the main event, which was, um, granted, I mean, those titles, uh, you know, are arguably bigger than the Grand Championship anyway, so 3.0, Kodamino, Baryon, basically, they did the story where Scott Parker gets taken out and makes the comeback, crowd gets behind him, uh, they took him to the back, he got his ribs taped up, came back, and they won two falls to one, that was a pretty good match, I mean, I think it's exactly what you expect from these guys in the spot, um, and, uh, yeah, so, I mean, look, goes without saying, there's a lot of implied things with this show where I just, I just didn't have to travel, so, you know, like, it was already a win-win for me, um, and I thought it was an okay show. Um, I've seen a lot of good marks, from, but granted, a lot of those good marks are from people that are much, much bigger Shakara fans than I am. Um, again, I know what I'm getting into, so I knew exactly what I was getting, but I'm kind of having a tough time kind of putting this show in pers- into perspective. Although I think a good way to kind of put my thoughts into perspective is that, like, the more I digest the show and the more I think about it, the more I liked it. So uh, hopefully it comes off good on DVD, and that's something that I'm very interested in to see how it comes off on DVD and just how it looks, because a very very small place. Um, and again, you know, I just didn't have to travel at all. So, you know, and for me, you know, I mean, even when I go to shows in this state that are, you know, that that are like prevalent, you know, like that have like one or two names um, that that maybe make the give me a little more of incentive to go out of my way. I mean, those sh- like. And there's been a lot, actually. I shouldn't say a lot. There's been a few here the last couple of years, just kind of like the Southeast in general. It's been an incredible, like, perfect storm of events for me to just attend. And, like, where I'm at in my life right now, I have the time. And fortunately, financially, you know, I'm just able to kind of, like, go and do all these things. And they're just, they're not that far out of the way as opposed to how they would have been if this was like five years ago, indie wrestling, when they just hadn't branched out this far. But like even in Georgia, like, and they've had some good shows in Georgia, uh, like PCW had a couple, RPW, uh, the PCW as well, which was the represented showcase match. And it's actually the Fed that ran, that runs this building twice a month. Um, where, you know, they've gotten like Davey Richards and Kyle Riley and like Cole Cabana and uh, with RPW, have, like, Jimmy Rave and Sal Renaro, and then, like, the PCW, there was one PCW show, which is, like, their big show, where they had, like, um, like they brought in Roderick Strong and, and, like, Magno and Cassandra, uh, Cassandra, sorry, and uh, several other people on that show, like Kong, um, Samoa Joe versus Jay Fury in the main event for, like, 20-plus minutes. Granted, this is, like, 2010 Samoa Joe and 2010 Jay Fury. Should not be working 20 minutes. But those shows are even, like, an hour and a half and two hours away, which was the point I was ultimately getting to. So for me to just get in my car from where I'm sitting right now or go downstairs and get in the car, turn out of the neighborhood, make one right about three miles down the road, and then be at the venue is very convenient. So... It was uh, it was a fun time had by all. I actually met randomly some really cool people at this show. I usually when I go to shows by myself, and I actually took Papa Turpin to this show, and he had a fun time. Although he's not very, vo- well, I think he liked the main event the most. He also really liked the match where all the guys were in there: Arctic Rescue Ant, Deviant, the Colony Extreme Force and Company, and the Spectral Envoy and Green Ant. Um, so those were kind of his highlights. Um, I'd really like to get him to, uh, and we were also sitting in the back, so I'd also I'd like to get him to a where the pace is really picked up like more of like a Dragon Gate 
style, Ring of Honor style type of show and get their front row like a WrestleMania weekend. I'd really, really like to get his response to that, but he had a good time. Um, and with that said, I want to thank you for, 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 for checking out the, uh, just, just listening to me for, you know, the 20, 25, 30 minutes that I just went, uh, and anybody who, who, who sends me tweets on Twitter, I really, really appreciate it. Uh, you know, I just, more than anything else, my entire goal with the site is just, uh, you know, when bored, you know, have something to talk about, throw it out there. And, uh, and, uh, so, you know, think, thanks for checking it out again. And, um, I don't know when we'll be back, you know, I mean, it's just kind of hit and miss when we do our audio, we just kind of do it when we feel like it, and uh, freeadmissionfr.com, you can follow me on Twitter, at Ben Turpin, and I'll talk to you guys, uh, hopefully again, really, really soon.